Welcome to Twin Peaks Cinema. This episode is covering Baraboo, filmed by Mary Sweeney, who was David Lynch's collaborator for many years. This was her first directorial debut. Um, she was uh, editor and producer, and uh, in the case of the straight story, writer for several Lynch films. And in this case, you can see some connections both to those films and specifically what we'll be dealing with Twin Peaks, including to the Twin Peaks that came after, which is interesting. Uh, in some cases more so than the original series. So that's going to be really fun to do uh, discuss. Uh, this episode was uh, originally recorded for patrons uh, several years ago, right at the outset of the pandemic, actually, uh, right before the pandemic uh, really hit in 2020. And uh, all of these episodes that you've been listening to on this public feed were originally recorded for Patreon and then shared here months or years after the fact. And at this point, I am at least pausing, probably concluding that uh, exercise, but there's still a bunch of Twin Peaks Cinema episodes on Patreon that haven't been made public. So at certain points, I'll be uh, putting previews of that, uh, Patreon previews, onto this feed. So you can stay tuned for that as well if you want a little taste of what's out there, or you can jump right over for a dollar a month and uh, access that uh, archive immediately. And I, I may have another Twin Peaks Cinema episode coming up. It's been a while since I put one out for patrons, but I may have one more up my sleeve on a Terrence Malick's Tree of Life. So figuring out now if I'm going to do that or not in late June or July. So something else to look forward to. But uh, for this episode, like I said, we're focusing on Baraboo, and this concludes a three-month uh, miniseries season called Long Road Home. Now, the organizing principle of this was Mary Sweeney's work. So first we covered Lost Highway, where she uh, edited and produced the film. Uh, I think produced it, definitely edited it. And in a straight story where she branched out as a writer, had like authorship over that uh, before handing it to Lynch to direct. And then this film she directs. But there's also another kind of theme running through these of the road and leaving home or not being able to find home or coming back to it. In Lost Highway, you have a film about a character who is totally uprooted. There's a crisis within the home. He ends up becoming another character who's driving around a lot, you know, as a mechanic. And uh, at the end of the film, they're fleeing down the highway. So there's this definitely restless energy to that. Straight story is much slower and gentler, but it's about a character who leaves the comfort of home behind and journeys out to reconcile with family. And then Baraboo, there's a road that runs through this town, but the characters aren't really on it usually. Uh, the main character owns a gas station, and uh, this is a, a film about people who are settled into a place, if not necessarily settled in their lives. So uh, we'll get on to that in a moment. First, I just want to update on the other podcast work I've been up to since the previous episode. There isn't too much of it. Uh, I did make a guest appearance on the Twin Peaks Grammar channel on YouTube. He has a, a podcast called Artists Love Twin Peaks on podcast feeds. It's the same episode, but different uh, presentations. And uh, went on and discussed my working method with him. A lot of Twin Peaks discussion. Great discussion. This was uh, with the host, Anthony, who was a guest on my own podcast a while back. And then also I um, had an episode for my Lost in the Movies feed, which I'm also wrapping up the public feed uh, where I covered the film Southland Tales in a discussion with the guest Andrew Cook. We had a great long discussion. It's the longest episode of that podcast, talking about this crazy uh, 2000s film by uh, Richard Kelly. And I also have capsule reviews of The Box and Donnie Darko attached to that, as well as an excerpt from a conversation I had with the director Vera Drew about 
uh, Southland Tales influence on her as well. So all packed into that that episode. And by the time you're listening to this, I should have at least one and uh, another coming soon episode of uh, Twin Peaks Conversations, one with the hosts of the podcast Twin Peaks Peaks. Uh, Ashley and Matt had a great kind of reunion there after recording an episode for the return uh, six years ago, and then also a re- repeat guest, Scott Ryan, who wrote about Lost Highway, which of course is one of the films that was part of this Long Road Home uh, series for um, you know this this podcast. So little tie in there to that theme. And uh, as far as Twin Peaks character series uh, goes, and Lost in Twin Peaks podcast, both of which I had planned to resume, but which are still on pause. Stay tuned for those this summer. That and the Journey Through Twin Peaks video essays will be my major work uh, now that I'm going to be taking a break from uh, some of this other podcasting. So with that, let's start talking about Mary Sweeney's Baraboo. I was just wondering uh, about Chris going fishing. No, he's never mentioned that to me. Well, maybe he doesn't want to go fishing with his mom. I like it here. We like having you. Mary Sweeney's uh, only feature film to date, Baraboo, came out in 2009. This is the first time I saw it. Uh, just before recording this podcast, and I've been curious about this for a while because, uh, first of all, I know Sweeney's work primarily through her collaborations with David Lynch. She was his editor for many years, also his partner, so she worked very closely with him and I think had a big impact on his work during that period. It's always difficult to separate out with the collaboration. We talk about this all the time with Lynch and Frost. Who brings what to the table, what they take away, and so forth. And last year, uh, a year ago exactly, I saw a short film of hers at the Film Forum in New York when I was visiting the city where they were running this film, like an experimental film, in a lobby. And you could see even just in that a certain kind of style and tone to it that was familiar to me from her editing work. And particularly, I think, from the straight story, which she not only edited, but she also wrote. It's the only Lynch film that he did not contribute to the screenplay of. And that was actually a project she originated and then got Lynch to direct. And this film, Baraboo, is particularly closely related with the straight story. Geographically, tonally, just in terms of a lot of its scenes and the characters it displays. Watching this film was a real treat to kind of isolate those qualities. And I enjoyed it on its own as well. There's something about Sweeney's work I really connect with. She's very much like a poet of the Midwest, uh, which I have no real experience or immersion in the Midwest whatsoever. Lived on the West Coast, lived on the East Coast, grew up in New England. But the middle of the country, not quite so much, usually just driven through on a few occasions. Nonetheless, though, growing up in a small town and living in a small town area now, uh, I can kind of, I think, relate to some of the features on display that you don't often see in a, in a lot of films that kind of take place more in kind of a narrow range of, of the U.S. So with that in mind, Baraboo is a film that takes place in Wisconsin in, uh, I think, the town of Baraboo. Just this quiet kind of rural place, very similar to some of the places depicted in uh, The Straight Story. And it's more of a slice of life than a heavily plot-driven movie. There are some big events that occur to the characters and the people they love, but it kind of depicts the day-to-day of their 
environment much more than any sort of great big narrative momentum. So the main character is Jane. She's a single mother. She lives with her teenage son on a campground style motel that she runs. And there are some long-term residents there. Most of the people we see in the movie are not so much tourists passing through as people who basically live there. Like one woman comes in at a certain point, asks, how much does it cost to rent month to month at this place? And she says, well, how long are you staying? The woman stops, you know, she's uh, probably in her 70s. She kind of pauses, thinks about it and says, till I die. And you see multiple generations. You see, as I mentioned, the Jane has a teenage son. She herself is in her early 40s as is another man there that she picks up a little bit of a, a potential romance with as the film goes along and then there are the older characters the woman who comes in to uh, pay for a month's pay for the motel she has just lost her farm everything was auctioned off except what she snuck away with but we get the sense this is a farm that's probably been in her family for a long time or at least for much of her lifetime and in one scene she kind of pulls up and looks at it so we see these characters go through their day-to-day -day lives there's what seems like probably a recent uh, divorce or separation with the mother. The father is the not, not with Jane. I mean, uh, the father is not in the picture. And so she's having trouble with her son. And her son is also visiting with a friend who's back from Iraq on leave. And he's kind of a troubled kid, provocative when they're uh, getting together, almost starting fights and uh, doing crystal meth and sharing it with the other kids. You know, I, they're, it's interesting. They're snorting something, and some of the film is a little bit dark and sort of trying to figure out, is this something opiate-related? And it's interesting how 10 years ago, this film came out in 2009, the sort of rural drug of choice was very much crystal meth. That was what you saw represented in media and news stories and, and just day-to-day -day is what people were struggling with in these rural communities, making it in their, you know, when, when, when they didn't have other work, obviously Breaking Bad even in a more suburban context context kind of comes out of that milieu but now it's much more opiates heroin oxycontin all of that uh, fentanyl and so that's kind of interesting that there's a consistency there but uh, some of the details have changed and also too you know now there's obviously still troops in iraq as we speak uh, illegally that uh, you know to the extent it was ever even legal but now against the actual invitation of the government of iraq but you know the iraq war proper ended a, a while ago so this is a sort of a slice of late 2000s americana and i watched an interesting interview on pbs which i will link in the show notes where the interviewer points out it's like you know, this is a pretty, the stuff depicted in this movie is pretty common, ubiquitous experience across the country, but you really don't see it represented on screen that much. So it's kind of nice to have the good and the bad shown. This is typical life for a lot of people that live, they don't live right in a big, fast-paced city. They are going through all these rites of passage in these more isolated places, uh, putting one foot in front of the other, as, as Mary Sweeney says. So this film picks up very much, in a way, from where Straight Story left off, I, I feel like. I just watched Straight Story right before this. I watched all of Mary Sweeney's work that she edited for Lynch before watching this film for the podcast. And you can almost see sort of a generational handoff here where it's focusing more on this older generation, this World War II generation, and now moving on to the younger generation with Iraq and the Gulf War. And a character mentions Vietnam, having lost children in Vietnam. And war is obviously a theme through all of this. Now looking at Straight Story, which people don't think of as a very war-related film, but it is. It comes up every now and then in a very crucial narrative moment, hinges on a memory of World War II. And uh, I think that's an interesting, important through line that we can see in her work. Now, of course, the question is, how does this relate to Twin Peaks? Because I am covering this at least partly in the uh, Twin Peaks cinema category here. If you look backwards, it's kind of hard to see... Uh 
very strong connection other than it's just rural Americana. Okay, sure. But there's still a different feel to the Twin Peaks depicted in the original series and this world of, of Baraboo. Baraboo feels more explicitly rural in some ways. Uh, Twin Peaks is a bit more, even though it's slow for television of the time and certainly since, there's just so much happening in town, all this intrigue and these high profile stakes with like the land deal and everything. We're getting a full on upper lower social portrait, whereas Baraboo is a little more on the periphery, even within this community. Like these are people who are more itinerant. They're living in a motel for their more or less permanent residence. And there's this drifting quality to it that they talk about where somebody asks Jane, what do you do when your son, you know, he's going to be out of high school soon. She says, well, I don't picture myself anywhere. I don't picture myself as being a certain way or doing a certain thing or having certain goals. It's just, I do the work in front of me, basically, is what she's suggesting. There is that sense of a lack of, I don't know if permanence is the right word. I'm getting a little off track from what I was talking about, but there's something about this that is more recent in American history, at least the consciousness of it. For a long time, small town, rural America was seen as the kind of steadfast, stalwart, sturdy rock. You'd go to the city and life would be more uncertain and alienating and difficult. But if you stayed in this little town, then you knew how life was. You knew it had a certain order. And of course, the neoliberal era has changed that immensely, starting with this 70s or 80s, a lot of these old companies, these old industries that supported these areas were taken over or sold out. That and other factors have sort of eaten away at that to the point where now I think you could make a case that it's rural America that seems less stable, more uncertain, lost a little, which in a way is a return to roots because all of these places, they were all settled by people who were kind of on the move and uncertain and not rooted in their life. So that's kind of interesting to consider almost this this full circle uh, idea. So that's a broader historical idea. Back to Twin Peaks. I think in the 1990s show, uh, there's just more of sort of a thriving ecosystem within Twin Peaks. Now, here's the thing. Baraboo very much reminds me of season three Twin Peaks. I think that element I just talked about is very present in season three to the point where, you know, you have a prominent place that's featured where, where a lot of the characters live is a trailer park. We don't see that in the original series, but there's very similar sort of feeling to that trailer park and this campground motel in Baraboo. And I think that speaks to a, a change in the stability of the society that's that's being shown in Twin Peaks. And I think, too, the fact that the new Twin Peaks is shot on location also gives it a flavor that remind, that, that Baraboo reminds me of. Other than the pilot and Firewalk With Me, the original series is all shot on set. So there's a little bit of like, a you know, I always call it the Disneylandification of Twin Peaks, where everything kind of has this defined quality, this very iconic quality that gave it a sort of sturdiness. And there's something poignant and effective and, and also warm in a way about the new... Um, instability, for lack of a better word, that we see in Twin Peaks and in Baraboo. And uh, in a way, it kind of draws some of the characters closer together because it feels like there's more uncertainty in their lives. And I think the original Twin Peaks is interesting because it kind of opens this up in a way. It takes this kind of steadiness of the town for granted and peels it back and says, ah, but look what's underneath and look at the fact, look at what this murder does to this placid community. And uh, But that takes the placidity for granted in a certain way that that uh, is, is more difficult later on. And of course, war comes up in Twin Peaks season three in a way that it doesn't in the 
the previous series, at least not to the same extent where it's it's sort of posited as a social problem, particularly of rural, small-town America. In season three, it comes up, leaving the trailer park. The guy talks about his wife, who seems to have been, seems to be a veteran who's, who's wounded and the government's supposed to take care of her physical needs and they're not doing that. And then also uh, we know that Frank Truman's son died in the war. That's mentioned by some of the other cops, and it's why his wife is so upset. And she's always kind of bossing him around, which is interesting because there's a bossy character in uh, Baraboo who uh, it seems is at least partially responding to the death of her own children in war. There's an interesting thread connecting through that way. And it's interesting as well, because I'm pretty sure that war stuff in season three comes more from uh, Mark Frost, would be my guess. Uh, than David Lynch, although who knows, but could come from Lynch too, because he does a lot of work with veterans uh, through his Transcendental Meditation Foundation. But just something about the way that it's written feels more sort of Frostian and it's on the nose direct kind of social reference. And you see that quite a bit here, obviously, with Mary Sweeney in her own film, Baraboo. So that's an interesting connection, if anything, maybe between Sweeney and Frost. Trying to think what else uh, within this movie. Well, I mean, first of all, it's interesting to see some of uh, some crew connections. Primarily, Sabrina Sutherland is the uh, line producer of Baraboo. So she's obviously lending a hand here to this independent production through somebody she had a connection with through the through the Lynch world. And I, th- I believe, I didn't see it actually in the credits. I thought David Lynch was credited as sort of an executive producer or something. It's also, of course, interesting to consider, you know, Mary Sweeney herself was a newly single mother of a teenager at this time. And in the interview, she makes a point of saying, well, yes, I'm a single mom, but this relationship in the film is not necessarily based on, uh, you know, my relationship with my son. The character is about roughly the same age as Riley Lynch would be when this was made. And Riley Lynch provides some of the music. The character's a guitar player. He plays this kind of heavy metal in his room and gets in a fight with his mom about it. And uh, Riley Lynch is actually credited on a soundtrack for providing that music in this film. So that's interesting too. Another film actually, which gives me this kind of sense of this quiet community of uh, on, the, on the kind of the rural periphery is uh, the film Lucky, which came out two years ago. It was Harry Dean Stanton's last movie, and David Lynch is in it as well. All around the Lynchverse, there's this kind of interest in this type of thing, but in this case, it's very much Mary Sweeney who seems who this seems to come from. I'm considering that she originated the project of The Straight Story, and I think watching these films gives me a sense of a kind of a warm humanism and empathy that I see marking the collaborations between her and Lynch that I don't necessarily see in the same way in Lynch's earlier and later work. Not to say there isn't empathy there or warmth, but there's a a little bit of a drier quality and not just in terms of some of the characterization, but particularly in terms of the style. Uh, this film, Baraboo, has a lot of like superimpositions, overlapping shots, a very sort of uh, impressionistic feel to the form of the film, uh, which I saw very much in that experimental short film that was playing in the film form. That was like purely that. It wasn't, it didn't have a story. It was just images, saturating images of a kind of rural life and other, I think, old home movies and stuff kind of bleeding into each other. And that's a quality very present in the work she did with him. It's certainly there in Lost Highway, Mulholland Drive, more than anything, which she won the BAFTA award for, for best editing. You can really see that. And it is present in other Lynch films as well, but one's pretty close to the making of those films. So for example, Inland Empire, I think still has that kind of bleary impressionistic quality, even though David Lynch himself edited that, uh, that you don't see as much after that. And same with Wild at Heart, I think. So I don't know if this was a style he was coming 
into just coincidentally as he worked with her. As she says in this interview that I link, it's hard to kind of tell, you know, there's a sort of a cross-pollination going on there. But it's certainly true that during the period of their collaboration, that style is really much more present in, in his work than it is uh, for the most part before and after. He kind of goes back to his roots quite a bit with The Return Season 3, where images feel a little more delineated from each other. There's less of sort of a woozy, impressionistic, dreamy feel to them, at least to my eyes. And that's it for this uh, episode's main coverage. Uh, we do have one clip from my Journey Through Twin Peaks video series, which I want to play, which uh, covers some of the same ground in terms of the narration, but has some nice clips from the film as well mixed in. So we'll kind of conclude with this as a coda. Her feature debut, Baraboo, offers a homespun Midwestern family and community portrait, very much in the spirit of the straight story, except anchored in a quiet woodland motel, rather than guided along a lawnmower etched route down the highway. This naturalistic slice of life doesn't bear much resemblance to the bustling small town depicted in the original Twin Peaks, but curiously, Baraboo does hint at the Twin Peaks yet to come. Its depiction of a hard-hit but stoic rural America, haunted by the ravages of distant wars, he was killed the day he got back to Iraq, and the disturbing influx of drugs, <laughs> oh, yeah! mellowed by middle-aged regrets, let's get going, kids, and enduring economic precarity. How long you think it'll stand? Till I die. Baraboo feels like it takes place just next door to Carl Rod's trailer park. Or perhaps right around the corner from Lyle Strait's little shack. Lyle! Lyle? Thank you for listening. This concludes Twin Peaks Cinema. As noted, uh, there's a lot of Patreon material available out there. Maybe another Patreon episode coming, so stay tuned to this feed for that. You can still rate, review, and subscribe, even though the podcast probably won't be putting up new episodes. That will still help people see uh, what's out there when they're searching for certain titles, uh, looking on Apple Podcasts particularly. That's probably the best place to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll be able to find this. And I hope they do. And I hope you enjoyed it as well. And uh, if you have, a, you know, a desire to follow any of my other work, check out lostinthemovies.com. That's where most of it is housed. And uh, hope that the uh, long road home or away from home treats you as well in the months and years to come. Mm-hmm.